Well, how did it go this past year, 2022? I think probably we would say some of it was good and some of it wasn't so good. There are a lot of good things that I experienced in my life this past year, but in some respects, it was the most challenging year that I have faced in many years. Uh, and yet, through all that, I learned a lot about myself. I learned about, about God, about His faithfulness in those times. And uh, let me ask you, how, how did it go handling the problems that you had this past year? Uh, are you satisfied with your life? Maybe you've lost a sense of purpose or meaning, kind of where you should go in life. There's really no future. You've just lost that sense of it. Several months ago, I was uh, taking Karen to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and to be with her family, and I, I loaded the car and was opening the trunk, and there was this huge black bag, 33-gallon bag of trash. I thought, how in the world did this get here? And then I stopped and thought about it that earlier that morning, I had emptied the trash, collected it, and put it in the bag, and was going to drop it off at our daughter's house, Ashley, and put it in the trash bin. Uh, but I missed that somehow along the way and took that trash all the way to Fayetteville, Arkansas, six-hour drive. But in preparing for this message, I thought about that event and really how we're like that. That we carry the trash over from one year to the next. We need to empty the trash and leave it there this coming year. We need to not carry it with us. In fact, some of you may be carrying trash for several years or decades. And so your future is really what's happened in the past which means there is no future and God wants you to leave that trash he wants to help you see the vision that he has for your life this coming year Helen Keller asked the question what would be worse than being blind to have sight with no vision and I'm afraid there are a lot of people who have sight but they have no vision there's no intentionality about their lives I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 34, and there we're going to see how David helps us get the right perspective and how we can experience a new opportunity for 2023. We're going to refer to the entire chapter, but I want to read the first 10 verses of Psalm 34. Here he writes, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord, the humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim with me the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And deliver me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Now here I want to show you what you must do to experience a new opportunity in 23, but also what God will do 
And uh, David gives the perfect balance in this passage of Scripture. So what must you do? Three things that we're going to see today. First of all, you must praise God. Must praise God. Now that sounds like the obvious, but I want to go a little deeper into what that really means, what that looks like as David describes it. Notice he says, first of all, that we're to praise Him at all times in verse 1. We often equate praise with music. We often equate, uh, when we talk about worship, we equate it with music. Worship is very a broad category. There are many elements to worship, but when we think about praising God, we often associate it with music, and that means that we associate it with what we do here once a week. But that's not what the Bible describes as praising God. He said, at all times, I'm going to praise God. And we're to praise Him, and notice, in different circumstances. It's easy to praise God in the good times, but notice verse 2, he says, the humble will praise Him. Or another translation says, let the afflicted. We're in difficult times. We're in humble times, uh, uh, challenging times. And that's when we also ought to praise the Lord. We're not happy about it. Beware of the person that's happy about bad things. But we, we acknowledge that we are able to praise Him in the midst of the problems we're facing. Notice, we praise Him out loud. It's not just something that we think about in praising the Lord. It's something that happens in our mind. But it's, it's, it's out loud that we praise Him in word or song or however we do that. He says, His praise will always be on my lips. He also says that we're to praise Him boastfully. We're to brag on Him. He says, I will boast in the Lord. If I'm going to brag about anything, I'm not going to brag about what I've done and what I'm doing, what accomplishments I made this past year, but of what God has done. That the glory goes to God for everything that happens in our lives. We're also to praise His greatness. Verse 3, proclaim the Lord's greatness. Now, what does that mean? Well, we praise Him as a great person. We praise Him for who He is. He's the God of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. He's God. And so we praise Him for who He is, but we also praise Him for His great position, that He has all authority, He's a sovereign God, that He has the right to rule in my life, and I'm to humble myself before Him. So I praise Him that He is doing that. Man, thank God that it's not left up to me to determine what's going to happen with my life. That I'm able to submit my life to somebody who knows me better than I know myself, who knows where I ought to go, and is able to lead me there, which leads me to the third thing. We praise Him for His great power. Listen, God wants to do great things in your life this coming year. He desires to do that. But you have to position yourself, which means you've got to allow Him to be in the position to do it. He has the authority to do it, but you have to be willing to let him reign and rule in your life. Get off the throne of your life and let God be on the throne of your life and submit your life to him and experience the great things that God wants to do this coming year. Now you say, you know, you know well, I, that's not the way I think. Well, it's the way you need to think. You know, we have a tendency to look at the glass half empty rather than half full. And that there is great opportunity for you. God wants to bless your life. God wants to do great things in your life and through your life for his glory. But you have to submit yourself to him. Notice, be to praise him individually. Verse 1, I will praise the Lord. But then he says that we're to praise him together. Verse 3, let us 
exalt his name together. So there's a place for us to come together and to worship the Lord. Now, typically in my sermons that I wait to the end of the sermon to give you an assignment or maybe some next steps, but I want to do that after each point this time today. So here's the assignment that I want to give you in this idea of seeking or um, praising God. First of all, I want to encourage you to praise him every day. That means that you, first of all, praise him for who he is. Just begin the day, begin your prayer by praising him. Uh, sometimes people use the acronym ACTS to pray to the Lord. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Well, adoration is praising God. Begin by praising him for who he is. We often rush in and start asking him for what we want. But stop for a moment and give praise to God for who he is. Praise him for his great position, for his great person, his great power that, that he possesses. Praise him every day. Praise him weekly. Maybe a New Year resolution is to be here every week. Maybe some of you are here today because you've been thinking about this and said, myself, my family, we're going to come every Sunday, God willing, unless we're gone on a trip, whatever, that we'll be here at church to praise him together. And, and, and listen, if you do that, if you praise him individually, you praise him every day, you praise him together with God's people, something's going to happen that's good in your life this coming year. God, God's going to do great things in your life by being consistent in your worship to him. Listen, Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembly of those who gather together. We're supposed to be here. And you're not here for my sake. You're not here for anybody else's. You're here for him. You're here together, corporately, worship the Lord. As you read the Psalms over and over again, there's this sense of coming together, of God's people coming together and to worship Him. Also, praise Him with someone new. Verse 3, he says, proclaim with me the Lord's greatness. So begin to invite somebody, maybe just one person, one family, for 2023, you would say, I'm going to do my very best to help them come join me in worshiping God together in this place and to praise Him. And as that begins to happen, I promise you, it's happened so many times. The emphasis of the Bible, I've shared this recently, the emphasis of the Scripture is to go tell, not come and hear. But I will say, that if you bring them here on a weekly basis, a regular basis, it becomes a habit of their life, then they're going to experience Christ in a very real way. It's hard not to. And I believe that that will happen as they get together with God's people, as they hear the word of God, it impacts their life. Okay? Praise Him every day. Praise Him weekly. Praise Him with someone new. Notice, secondly, not only if you want to experience a new opportunity that you should um, praise God, but you should seek God, to seek Him. Verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. Now, some people are afraid to do that because they're ashamed of their sin. And some of them are ashamed and have no reason to be ashamed, but they feel shame. They, they, they're dealing with guilt or whatever else. And, and look, you're the perfect candidate to come to the Lord, to seek Him. Because He died to cover your sin and to remove the guilt of your sin. So that you can stand before Him with no shame, blameless. Not because of your righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ. 
That's what he sees. And so there's no shame in that. And that's why we come to him, we seek him, and we confess our sin. And as John writes, as we confess that sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. God is not in the business of shaming you. Other people do that. We do it ourselves. The devil does that. God doesn't do that. Notice also in this sense of seeking God, we're to call on him. Verse 6, this poor man cried. Now I want you to remember the context of David writing this particular psalm. He is fleeing from Saul. Saul is king. David is the anointed king. Saul is jealous of David. And David's on the run. He's trying to kill him. So he makes his way to a place called Nob. And there he meets Abimelech who is the priest. And the Bible says that Abimelech feeds him from the Lord's table. And also gives him Goliath's sword. So he's prepared for battle. He's prepared to deal with Saul and those who are with him. He makes his way to another place called Gath. And there is King Achish. For some strange reason, David is afraid of King Achish. And so he pretends to be insane. He acts like he's crazy, and Achish doesn't know what to do with him, so he kicks him out. He has him depart and to leave. The point is, is that David is in a really bad place. He's in dire straits. He's in trouble. And God responded to his cry. This poor man cried. Notice to whom he cried. It was to the Lord. He wasn't praying some formal prayer so that others would be impressed about how well he prays. He's in a desperate need. He he wasn't praying as a therapeutic exercise to help him with his mental health. It was a shot fired directly to the heart of God. And God responded to his cry. You see, prayer, listen, the beauty about prayer is that you're dealing directly with God. It's you and God in prayer. Think of that. The God of the universe. How great he is. Has set this thing up so that you can know him personally and that you can have a relationship with him and that you can talk to him and he talks with you. Isn't that amazing? That you can cry out to him. Notice also who prayed this prayer. This poor man. His need, his lack, was not a barrier to prayer. But really, it's what qualified him to pray. The proud don't come and pray to the Lord. He humbles them, the Bible says. It's those who are humble. Those who are low. Go to the Lord. This poor man prayed. Notice the way he prayed. The Bible says he cried. That indicates his intensity. This just wasn't some, hey God, how's it going? He's pouring his heart out. It's intense. It indicated his simplicity. It wasn't some sophisticated prayer that he's offering before the Lord. He's crying his heart out to him. It indicates his pain. Often when we cry, it's a result of pain, physical or emotional pain. And he's crying. That's all he knows to do because of the pain that he's experiencing. It indicates also his persistence. Some say, well, you ought to pray where you only pray one time. If you have enough faith, God's going to take care of it. The Bible doesn't teach that. 
Jesus gave a parable of a woman who wore a judge out until he dealt with her. In which the parable is about prayer. About being persistent in our prayer to the Lord. So if it's praying today out of your pain, crying out to the Lord. Or if it's praying some of you for years, maybe decades you've been praying. Crying out to the Lord. Not a sign of your lack of faith. It's the, it's the matter of your heart. It's the intensity. It's the persistence. The pain. Look, if you don't know how to pray, just pray like this poor man prayed. Because we all need to be delivered from our troubles. The point here is call on him. Now, in seeking the Lord, notice also it can be adventurous. Verse 8, taste and see the Lord is good. Our son Will and his wife Chris were here for a few days this week. Yet last night, Karen and I took them up to the airport uh, to St. Louis. And uh, we went to a new restaurant. We went to a new barbecue joint. You know, we, we often kid ourselves that a lot of our trips it's centered around where we're going to eat. You know, you may be that way too. And so I, we tasted the barbecue and it was good. It was real good. Uh, I remember about 10 years ago I went to visit my dad. And I, uh, uh, you know, our routine was, you know, breakfast. We sit around a table and we talk. And I said, Dad, I had something new happen this past week. I said, a guy took me to a Japanese restaurant, and I had sushi for the first time. And he just started beating his hand and said, I have failed as a father. Real men don't eat sushi. <laughs> well, guess what? He's eating sushi today. <laughs> He's come to like it. But we, I tasted it and see, listen, there are people who come to church, but they never taste God. The whole Christian experience is about tasting God and experience something new. It's an adventure. And to see that what he's offering you is good. It's good. So here's the assignment. I'm going to ask you to stop seeking others and other things. There's a place for counselors and community. Believe me, I refer people. There's a place for that. But ask yourself, have I sought the Lord first? Have I cried out to the Lord first? Does the Lord really know my heart about this matter? Does he know how serious I am for him to come through for me? Seek him first. Pray first. Call on his name. And then begin to read God's word. Taste the word of God. The food that he's offered. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. The bread of life. And he's the one that will satisfy the hunger that you have. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Notice finally, not only do we praise God and we seek God, but third, we fear God. If you want to experience something new, verse 9, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Now, what does that word fear mean? Well, it means that we're in awe of him, we respect him. When I stand and there's a snake in front of me, I respect the reality of what's happening right there. The reality of the snake's presence, right? Now, if God were here in this place right now, physically, 
you would respect the reality of his presence in such a way that it would change the way that you speak. What does he say in verse 13? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. It would change what you do and how you do it. Verse 14, turn from or turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. I'm afraid that there's just not a lot of fear of God, respect of God. Because if we truly respect Him, it will change our lives. So here's the assignment. Talk and act kindly to others. Especially when your button gets pushed. And the devil knows what button to push. Right? So, how about, let's experience something new. When that button gets pushed, I'm not going to act like I did in 2023. That's trash. I'm not carrying that over. I'm going to talk kindly. And act kindly. Talk honestly to others. Be real. Be authentic. Don't put on a mask. But be real with people. That's what you would want. Encourage others. Try to help somebody in their journey of faith. Be a lifter, not a downer. Praise God. Seek God. And fear God. Now, if you do that, this is what God will do. Notice what he says. First of all, he'll hear your cry. Verse 6, verse 17. But notice verse 15. His ears are open to their cry for help. You know, if you gather a room and uh, there's a crowd and a baby cries, then there might be 10 babies in the room. That mother knows that cry. And listen. God knows the cries of his children. He knows who you are. And he knows which one's crying. And he hears you. Notice in verse 4, he answers your prayers. He didn't say when he would do it, but he said he would do it. And he will answer. He will answer your cry. Notice in verse 4, he'll deliver you from all your fears. We don't have to fear, be afraid of what is happening. But because of who God is, because we are praising Him, we are seeking Him, we're fearing Him, we can rest in Him. We can trust Him. He will give you a radiant face. A person who has a sad face, an angry face, sometimes it means they've not been with the Lord. There are sad things. As I said, be afraid of the person who's happy about being you know, happy about bad things that happen. But we need to allow the Lord to give us a radiant face. He'll do that if you do these things. Notice in verse 6, he saves you. Verse 7, angels surround you. Verse 9, he says, you'll lack nothing. And he illustrates it in verse 10. Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Notice also he's watching in verse 15. He knows you and he knows your need. Verse 17, he delivers you from your trouble. That doesn't mean he gets you out of it sometimes, out of the circumstance. He delivers you through it. 
He'll help see you. He'll give you the perspective you need so that you can be above the circumstance and get through it. I love verse 18. He's close to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. You may feel all alone. You're not. God is with you. He's near the brokenhearted, those who were crushed in spirit. He's going to execute justice. Life's not been fair. Don't worry. He's going to take care of it. Verse 21. And he also will redeem you. Verse 22. Now what will you do in 2023? Praise him. Seek him. And fear him. I just finished reading a book about uh, a week ago by Viktor Frankl. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian psychiatrist who was put in a concentration camp for three years during World War II. His wife, his child, his mother, his father, his sister were all executed there in those prison camps. He actually was in two or three different camps. And he was asked, how how did people survive the prison camps that were there? Uh, was it their intelligence? Was it their skill set? What was it that, that, that helped them get through that and they survived? He said it was none of that. He said they had a vision for the future. They all realized that there was more important work to do for them when they got out. And that's what they were hanging on to. That's what kept them alive. Listen. God has a work that he wants to do in you and through you in 2023. He wants you to experience something new, something different. He wants you to experience him. And God has something new that he wants to do through this church in 2023. You know, 2022 was an amazing year for our church the last Sunday of this month, I'm going to bring my State of the Church message, and I'll highlight some of that. But God's got a big thing that's coming down the pike for us in this coming year. And He wants to do that for us. Without a vision, the Bible says, people perish. Louisa Fletcher, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, wrote a poem called The Land of Beginning Again. The beginning of the poem reads like this I wish that there were some wonderful place in the land of beginning again where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all our poor selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never put on again well I got good news there is a land of beginning again and it's the kingdom of God and he's got something new for you but listen He wants you to leave the trash of last year where it belongs. Don't bring it in to 2023. And I promise you, it's going to be a great 2023. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? There's somebody here today who would say, Pastor, I realize today that I need a relationship with God. I know about Him, but I really don't know Him. And today... I I want to turn from my sin and turn from self and turn to Christ alone for my salvation. And in just a moment, when we sing this next song, I'll invite you to come to one of our pastors and we'll be able to help you as we talk that through, make sure you understand and help you make that commitment of your life to Christ.
There might be many in this room who would say, Pastor, I know the Lord, but, but I've not been praising God or seeking God or fearing God the way that I should. And I, I, can, I can tell how that's affected my life. And so today I, I want to renew my commitment to Christ. And I want to focus on these three things and follow through with these assignments that you've given us. Really, it's the Lord's what He has said. I've just applied it in a way we understand it. And I, I promise you, you're going to experience good things, new things in your life that you need. That's good for you. There might be some that are here today and God is speaking to your heart about joining our church family. We would love for you to be a part of what God is doing in our church and through our church as we're trying to get the gospel out to the world and help people grow in their walk with Christ. There might be others who need to come and pray here at the altar alone. You've got a burden on your heart. Or maybe you want someone to pray for you. We'll do that now. God, thank you for your word and thank you, Lord, for the power of it and the way David writes and gives this balance of what we must do and what you will do to experience you in our lives. I pray you'll help these who need to make commitments that they'll do the right thing right now. In Jesus' name, amen. 